0: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let us worship the Lord our God.
1: Do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take
0: delight in the Lord, and God will give you the desires of your heart. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him.
1: Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For
0: the greatest shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall bear the
1: Gracious God, we praise you that you are not only our God, but the God of those far and near. We thank you that every week we join with Christians in places far off who worship you, And we thank you that in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup, you are made known to all who follow you. We offer this in the name of your Son, in whose name we pray.
0: You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, both those of us gathered here in this sanctuary, as well as everyone worshiping in other locations this morning. We greet one another in the name of Jesus Christ. And because we greet one another in the name of Christ, that means that there are no qualifying adjectives whatsoever attached to our word of welcome. Christ welcomes all, and so all are welcome at First Church. We hope you will join us for a time of fellowship at the conclusion of this service in Old Buttonwood Hall, which is just off this door to my right and down a short ramp. There you will find two things. First that our deacons have prepared, uh, some light refreshments for us, but today you will find our Homemade Genius Bar. Why you asked do we have a Homemade Genius Bar? Because you received in your email this morning an invitation to join realm realm is our new church software management tool church management software tool and we figure you might like a little help getting acclimated to it so our realm geniuses will be in the fellowship hall waiting to assist you with that take about whatever time you need to do that and then after that we'll get to our sermon discussion type We'd also be grateful if everyone would sign the friendship pad, which should be on your pew. Sign your name, send it down and back again so we have the advantage of each other's names. And then the last thing you do, just tear the the sheet off and leave it on top of it to make it easy for our ushers to clean up. I'd also like to invite you to come after you have been to the realm appointment, we'll give about 15, 20 minutes for you to do that, uh, to come upstairs to the McCall room for the fourth in our series of five discussions on the sermon. We're in a series on the Lord's Prayer. And so if you'd like to participate in that conversation or if you'd like to do it from uh, a virtual attendance, we can certainly include you in that. The link for that is on the same page as the link for this worship service. So you can join us over Zoom and participate in that conversation if you wish. Or you can just go up the stairs to the McCall room if you're here in the building, where the Reverend Jerry Foote will lead our discussion this week. There is a brunch for our TNTs following worship, but they're not going anywhere. They're going to be right here. So look for Annie Lacluse in the Narthex following worship, and she will make note that you wish to take part in that TNT brunch. And as always, we invite you to check the website regularly and subscribe to our weekly email. There's instructions in your bulletin about how to do that. With all of these things noted, let us continue our worship now with our confession of sin.
1: We worship a God who is slow to anger and quick to forgive. So let us turn to God in confession, first together and then in a time of silence. Holy God, remind us of our baptism As we prepare to come to your table, remind us that you have formed us with your own hands, made us in your own image, and placed us in this world to be as markers of your goodness. But our sin overpowers the witness you would have us make. We give in to temptation. We fear that we cannot merit the calling you have given us. Renew within us the knowledge of your love so that we may live joyfully, sharing our lives as a testimony to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, abolished sin and death and brought life and immortality to light. By the grace of the Eternal One, we are forgiven and by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. us from the prophet Micah, in the sixth chapter, starting at the sixth verse. With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions? the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Our second reading comes from Matthew's Gospel in the 6th chapter, starting with the ninth verse. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one.
0: Final lesson is taken from 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 17 through 33. Continue not to listen for the word of God to us this day. Now, in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper, For when the time comes to eat, each of you proceeds to eat your own supper, and one goes hungry, and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have households to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, Whoever, therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be unanswerable will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat, who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty, eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My friend Barbara appointed herself within minutes of meeting me in my mid-twenties As my guardian angel with the charge that she would see to it that, quote, while my head might need to be in the heavens some of the time, my feet better stay firmly planted on the ground. Pastors are not supposed to have favorites, but when one accompanies a member of the church through the valley of the shadow of death for nine years, it is impossible not to grow to love them deeply. For years through rounds of chemo and radiation and surgeries, through her children's weddings and grandchildren and the divorce of one of her children, about once a month I would receive the summons to come to her house for a visit with the strict instructions that it should be my last call for the day so that I could stay and have a glass of wine with her. Even when she could no longer consume wine, when I would arrive, an excellent vintage would be poured and appetizers would be waiting for our time together. And liturgically, it wasn't communion per se, but a rosé by any other name would still smell as sweet. Barbara was a woman of deep faith, full of gratitude for all of life and its many blessings. She was a firm believer, even on the days when she was experiencing the worst side effects of getting up, taking a shower, putting on what she called her war paint, and getting on with life to the best extent possible. Barbara was also a very competent Christian, well-schooled in prayer and in scripture and theology, but she did have one recalcitrant theological error that no amount of wheedling by me could dissuade her from retaining, and I would say it, even if she were sitting right here on the front pew, because it became sort of a public running gag between us. Barbara firmly believed that God manages parking spaces. (laughs) If she got rock star parking, it was because God had ordained it to be so. And as much as I attempted to persuade her that, in fact, that is not what predestination actually means, that it isn't an entirely accurate understanding of God's providence, she would persist in using the language of faith to describe what I was sure was simply coincidence. And to be fair to Barbara, she is in good company. Plenty of people give God credit for things that God may or may not be willing to claim. For instance, and I know I am in danger of committing the ultimate heresy with this statement. Some of you may stop listening as soon as I say it, but I'm not convinced that God favors the Eagles over every other football team. (laughs) I know it might be a bit of a blow, but I'm pretty sure God doesn't care all that much about football even though God cares a very great deal about football players. I'm fairly sure that even though Rocky Balboa knelt and crossed himself before every round, Apollo Creed still won a few of them. Unless you think that I'm not giving God sufficient credit, let me be very clear about this. I am absolutely certain that God is sustaining my life and yours in this Very second, God absolutely is in charge of the world. But, and this is key, God is not a micromanager. God provides maximum support and minimum control, to borrow an old line from William Sloan Coffin. And we surely should leave a little room for miracles and the unexpected mercies of God, but perhaps when we consider the things that we encounter in life, be they good or be they bad, perhaps we should consider that God created us with agency and intellect for a reason. Still, the allure of assigning divine meaning to coincidences is strong. Peter Marty observes, coincidences fascinate us, and we like to assign meaning to them. Something in the human spirit craves events that astonish or surprise. For many who like to connect the dots of random events and see a reason for everything, God plays the lead role. To them, coincidence is a dirty word, the sign of a godless universe. Unless, that is, God can be given responsibility for arranging the circumstances. This is an alluring distortion of an image of God who has taken infinite care with the universe. That part's true. God does love creation too much to leave it alone. But that's not what is meant by God's providence. Because if God is manipulating everything we do, we have a theological problem. And it's this. How then do we read lead us not into temptation as Luke says or save us from the time of trial as Matthew does. Read it the wrong way and it catapults us to an existence where God is the one placing temptation before us. And if we believe that God is micromanaging the world such that God's ordering of life runs down to the minuscule and the minute, and we believe that God loves us, then surely God would order life in such a way that we never encounter temptation. But that's not what we experience, is it? We do have temptations. We are not speaking of the temptation of an extra dessert or skipping a workout, or even the more dire one, such as an illicit glance or an ill-advised text. And nor can we so clearly define what is meant by the time of trial, as Matthew's Gospel characterizes this petition. Tom Long notes, The language is ambiguous, and scholars are not certain what time of trial Jesus had in mind. The language of the prayer catches up in a single stitch all the forms of temptation and testing that threaten to divide and defeat the followers of Jesus. I might put it this way The temptations we face, perhaps, are either to live as though God does not care about us and our lives at all, or as though God has given us no responsibility. No agency for our lives. Long goes on to add, it would be a mistake to press too hard the question, does God cause us to be tempted? The Lord's Prayer is not a philosophical meditation on the origins of evil and temptation. It is instead the fervent prayer of a church pleading with God to hold them together and give them the strength to accomplish their mission in a difficult world. He concludes, the best way to understand the petition, do not bring us to the time of trial, is to envision the congregation heading out the front door of the church to do God's work in a storm-tossed world, and whispering the prayer, keep us safe out there, O God. Being ever aware of the sin that clings to us so closely, we know that the opportunities for our faith to fall by the wayside are real and myriad. The chances we have to mess it all up just seem to come up over and over again. As I say to the celebration service, into even the most diligently lived of lives, the need for repair, falls. To see it otherwise is not to face up to the fact of sin. As I said a few weeks ago, sin isn't always some huge cataclysm. Sometimes it is a creeping thing, sin. Temptation doesn't generally like to identify itself before it springs the trap. Temptation doesn't sidle up to us and say, Hi, I'm temptation, and I'm here to lead you down the garden path to destruction and ruination. Indeed, the most seductive temptations will surely be the ones that look like a good thing, doing the right thing, perhaps, but from selfish motives. Or perhaps our motives are pure, but they lead us to an action that deprives another of agency and freedom. Howsoever we come to the time of trial, the sin we face is fundamentally brokenness. Take the Corinthian Christians. The motive to gather in fellowship and communion is a good one, right? I mean, you can't get going to church for communion wrong, surely. Oh, but they did. They came at the Lord's Supper, that joyful feast of the Lord where all God's people are welcome, selfishly. Those with means ate and drank with abandon. Their picnic baskets were full to bursting, and they did not share with those among them who had nothing. And I don't necessarily need to throw shade on the Corinthians for when there are so, so many other good examples we could find to show how God's people failed at the time of trial. Indeed, the Church does well to remember our own failures. On this World Communion Sunday, we do well to remember that there are still lines that divide us so that we might be honest with ourselves about what the Lord requires of us. I am certain that while God is not pulling puppet strings to manipulate us or our world, we nonetheless remain entirely dependent upon the mercies of God. And I am equally certain that we will all fail from time to time. But we can never mess our lives up so badly that God cannot redeem them, because agency and mercy are all wrapped up in the grace of God, as we see during the Lord's Supper. This feast is a visible sign of God's grace. Across this table, we may meet even our worst adversary and know that we are both redeemed in Jesus Christ. At this table, we come as sinners of Christ's own redeeming to be welcomed as beloved guests. And this table, this particular table right here in the front of this sanctuary, is just a foretaste of the heavenly banquet where. Coming of our own volition, we are promised the eternal grace of God that overcomes all, all estrangement. It is this meal at this very table that nourishes us for what we might go into the world and do, truly of good courage, safe in the knowledge that when, not if, we fail at the time of trial. God has surely already delivered us from all evil in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
1: together proclaim what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. All things come from the one of abundant grace. Let us give generously in token of the abundance of our things.
0: Eternal God, for the abundance of creation we give you thanks. And as we return this portion to you, we ask that you would bless it and use it, and that we might be blessed as well as we see your kingdom at work among us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the Lord, and Scripture teaches that people will come from east and west and north and south to sit here at table with our risen Savior, who is even now the unseen host at this table. Indeed, from the pages of Scripture we read that it was at table when the disciples first recognized the Lord as he blessed the bread and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened and they knew him. And it is at this table where Christ's disciples even now are invited to come and to know our Lord, who invites all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens to come to him and to receive rest. Because this is Christ's table, it means that it does not belong to the church. It is open to all because it is Christ who extends the welcome. So, dear friends, come to the joyful feast of the Lord.
1: The Lord be with you.
0: And also with you.
1: Lift up your
0: hearts. We lift them up to all the Lord.
1: Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.
0: It is is right to give our thanks and praise.
1: It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, eternal and triune God, whom we worship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ, you spoke the word that brought the world into being. By the Holy Spirit, you brought order out of chaos and breathed life into your creatures. In parental love, you stood by us in spite of our disobedience correcting us with gracious reproof, and welcoming us again into your loving embrace. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place, who forever sing to the glory of your name.
0: You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Born of Mary, he came to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. To all who believed, he gave the power to become your children. In ministry among your own, Jesus cared for all, forgiving their failures, healing their hurts, and nurturing their faith, giving himself an utter sacrifice for those he loved. He inspired ordinary folk to spirit-filled living and displayed in his life, death, and rising again the power of your spirit. Remembering your gracious acts in Jesus Christ, we take from your creation this bread and this wine and joyfully celebrate his dying and rising as we await the day of his coming. With thanksgiving, we offer our very selves to you to be a living and holy sacrifice dedicated to your service. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. died. Christ Christ is risen. Christ Christ will come come again. again.
1: Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, that we may be one with all who share this feast united in ministry in every place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world, the world that needs you so much right now. And today we lift up all those places in special need of your attention. Ukraine and places like Pakistan that have experienced immeasurable flooding for the caribbean and florida and all those struck by hurricanes and typhoons right now places torn by civil war or other wars be with all in all far the far reaches of our world your world and nurture us at this table o god that we may grow to the stature of jesus christ help us to love you above all else and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves demonstrating that love in deed and word toward all your children. Keep us faithful in your service until Christ comes in final victory, and we shall feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, now and forever. Hear these along with the prayer that your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
0: Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Give us this day our daily bread,
0: and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the the power, power and and the the glory glory forever. forever. Amen. Amen.
1: On the night before he died on the cross, Jesus gathered for, for supper with his disciples, with his friends, and he took the bread and gave thanks to God for it, and broke it, and shared it with them, saying, take and eat all of you. This is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you eat it, do so in remembrance of me.
0: In the same manner after they had supped, he took the cup. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. For as often as you eat this cup, as often as you eat this bread, or drink this cup, proclaim the Lord's saving death until he comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast. Let us pray once more. Holy God, we thank you and we praise you that in love you have reached across the abyss of our sin to bring us once more into your loving embrace. Having been fed at Christ's table, now send us to be Christ's body in the world, for it is in his name that we make our prayers. Amen. as God's beloved who have been to Christ's table in the sure and certain knowledge that you will return to it in this life or in the life that is yet to come. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace both this day and forevermore. Amen.